it's just so unnecessary to have the, this idea of breaking a horse when if you come to them and, and offer this collaboration, it's possible to start a horse at complete liberty and have them understand you with perfect clarity and never have any of the conflicts. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. A place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Terrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present, and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Tara Davis from Unbridled Goddess. And apart from having the best business name I've heard of yet, it's a bit amazing, isn't it? She also has a beautiful story to go with it. It has illness, recovery, a rant that allowed her to experience horses in a different way, and of course, that one horse who changed her life and training methods forever, Misa. Tara is a beautiful storyteller and I loved hearing all about her journey to conscious horsemanship and I know that you're going to love this as well. Here is Tara. Tara, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Could you first tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? Sure. Well, I um, I have a little ranch up in Humboldt County in Northern California, and I view it as a bit of an exploratory center for horsemanship and and discovering more, not just about horses, but about humans as well. Um, So what I'm doing is just um, sharing my experience with the horses and and the lessons that they have to teach me uh, and kind of just trying to bring it out there into the world. I, I feel like I have a very powerful herd of of horses who have a lot a lot of teaching to do wow I'd love to hear the story of how you transitioned did you grow up with horses and learn a traditional method of horsemanship I did I was really lucky uh I grew up in a horse family so from my earliest memories I was around horses um my mother is a horsewoman and so she taught me a lot of my my you know basic understanding of horses from a young age it was very traditional um she's from england so it's very traditional british horseman horsemanship or horsewomanship mm-hmm. and so i i grew up like that i got really interested in classical dressage um you know i have a a pretty broad what what was it about classical dressage that excited you or, or took you down that path well i can I know now looking back, it was those those glimpses of connection where you really felt like you were dancing with the horse. Mm-hmm. That's what drew me in. And um, I always felt like I was chasing it. It was like, you know, chasing that high of of feeling like everything clicked and and everything was synchronistic and in harmony. And there were so few and far between. Um, but that was what really drew me in, and that's what I loved. Um, I've never really, I, I, got, I got into jumping for quite a while and then uh, had a few bad accidents and decided I, I preferred 
keeping as many feet on the floor as I could, but I, <laughs> I just love dressage. It was something so, there's something so thrilling about, about those brief moments of harmony that, that drew me in. Yeah. And when did you hear the first whisper that there was another way? Well, it's interesting because looking back, I there were little moments and I felt drawn to another way, but I was so afraid of messing things up or or of allowing my horse to, you know, run all over me or or get away with whatever it is that they were trying to express to me that their discomfort of it, their unhappiness. Somehow I felt I felt like allowing them to be more of a a leading member of our partnership felt like it was undermining my authority, which was, you know, that's how I how I was trained, how I was brought up was that you had to be this authoritarian uh leader in this partnership and, and yeah, it was that's almost a big one undermining my authority mm-hmm. it's, it's a huge one in society as a whole it is and and I felt like you know the the horse that I I had and was competing in dressage was this big 17-3 Oldenburg he was very powerful and and he was you know had some a little bit of aggression and I'm this five foot nothing little slight thing and I I always felt like I had to be very like I had to really stand in my power to try and dominate over him so he couldn't get away with things and and so what was interesting was I was going through um chemo at the beginning of our relationship with my with this horse this um, Oldenburg and I didn't have a whole lot of physical strength and we had this beautiful connection when we first began working together um, where I just spent so much time with him and I felt like we really connected on this spiritual level and he I felt like he was a healer for me and then as I grew stronger as I um, I ended my chemotherapy and really threw myself into training and working with him because he had you know, I, I saw him as having so much talent and capability and that we could go so far together. And as I grew stronger, we just started battling more and more. And that, looking back now, I'm realizing that like we had, we had that soft connection at first where I wasn't trying to assert myself over him. And gradually as I grew stronger, we just butted heads more and more. So interestingly enough, I ended up retiring him, um, for a variety of reasons and kind of getting out of horses for a little while and then got a job as a trainer at a, at a ranch that worked with Frisians but was a very uh, non-traditional ranch it was out in the middle of nowhere and a really large ranch and the horses were kept in very very natural you know they're allowed to roam over over hundreds of, of acres and they were kept in this, you know, they were kept in a herd and they were, they had this freedom and wildness that I had never experienced before with horses. I'd never actually even kept my horse in a herd. I'd never had my horse. I'd never had more than two horses together at one time. And it was my first experience of seeing this community of horses together and the power of 
of a horse when they are in this in this um, you know stable and secure community. And so that was my first experience where I could actually tangibly look at these horses and say, these horses are different. There's something different about them, and it's because of the way they're handled. It's because of the way they're treated. It's the way that they are. They have this autonomy and this power about them, and and they were the most amazing horses I'd ever encountered before. And that was the, really the first time I, I thought, wow, there, there, there could be a different way. Mm. And did you ride dressage with them as well in your training? I did, yes. And um, that was the first place where um, we did some dressage with them, but we also worked with them uh, bitless. So it was my first time riding dressage bitless and realizing, oh, wow, this is, you know, there's, there's another way. You don't have to have a bit to, to communicate effectively in dressage. And, um, you know, we would do a lot of cross training. We do a lot of work in the, on the trails and just taking long walks with them. And so it was, we did dressage, but it was, it was dressage as a, as a fun opportunity to explore more movement with the horse instead of dressage as a means of militant discipline with the horse. It was, it was more of a, just an exploration and that was really beautiful. Wow. Can you go a little bit deeper about how long it took you to ride the same dressage moves without a bit as, as before when you had a bit, how hard was that transition for you? And what was it really like? What was it, did it change feel? Did it change the way you rode at all? Well, the horses that I got to ride at this ranch that I worked at had had experience riding bitless. So I was really lucky in experiencing a, a very easy transition from, from bitless or from riding with bits to bitless. And to me, it was just, it was this kind of shock of, wow, it's, it's the same communication. I have to be more, there was an awareness that I had to have when I was riding bitless that was different than when I was riding with a bit. You know, it was, I, I think that at first it started out as a little bit of a hesitancy for me because I'm, I was worried about, you know, not having the same control as I would when riding with a bit. But as I began to explore more, I realized that it was it was a heightened awareness of my intention moving through my hands you know part of um part of my my style of horsemanship i really view our hands as um you know the reins become more symbolic than actual communication tools they're almost just like it's like a direct connection but the the language, the communication that's flowing through them, you don't need the reins to be there. They're just, it's, it's a more tangible, uh, it, it's almost more for us than it is for them. Mm. And so now, gosh, what is it? Six or seven years later, um, I've come to realize that it, that heightened awareness is, was just me learning how to communicate more more clearly through my energy rather than through physical movement. 
Yeah. Can you explain that for people out there who go, what the hell is energy? <laughs> Take one movement and what it, what it, what you did in your body. Was it a thought? Was it a feeling? Was it a picture? Was it breathing? How, how did you bring that through? So for me, I feel really powerfully connected to the horse through a, it's a feeling for me. Um, if you've ever explored Tai Chi or, or martial arts movements, when, when you're exploring the feeling of letting your Chi energy flow through your hands. And you know, for me, it's reaching your hands out to the side and, and really feeling that kind of almost a ball of energy in the palms of your hand. And when I'm working with the horses, I feel like there are a variety of energy centers within my own body that are, are kind of um, enacted. They're engaged when I'm working with the horses. And my hands, I feel like, are, are one of my strongest ones. Um, and so, for example, when I'm riding, I feel that the, the energy of, of, you know, even just a half halt, you're, you're, you really are communicating with your energy just as much as you are with your physical movement. And if we can, if we can increase our awareness of that energy and, and begin to express that more clearly to the horse, then the physical movement, movement actually, we're able to kind of slowly leave that behind so that in, in my training, ideally, the slightest movement, but really communicating more clearly with our, our energy and um, having that be the, the aid and the communication versus any sort of physical direction. Mm. Working on personal energy instead of changing the type of bit or reins or. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And what did you do next? How long did you stay on that farm for? I think I worked there for about a year and and then I I actually kind of took another step back from horses I really feel like I was so tempted to stay there it was a a bit of a crossroads in my own life I was um I was escaping a really toxic relationship and a toxic lifestyle that I was leaving that I was living and part of me really wanted to just stay at that ranch and, and just escape everything that I had been going through <clears throat> and, and just live there with the horses and work with them. But I really felt like I needed to, I needed to take a step back and I needed to heal and work on myself because I kept coming to the horses and just ignoring all my problems and allowing them to just kind of take on the burdens that I, I brought to the table when I, when I worked with them and I really felt like it was important for me to go and kind of become whole within myself before I tried to come and, and be whole in a, in a relationship. You know, I, I view yeah. every, every interaction with the horses where, you know, it's a, this is a two way street. I want to be as present as possible. And I don't want you to feel like you have to, you know, take on my problems. So for me, I took about probably a year and a half and just spent a lot of time working on myself, a lot of introspection, a lot of meditation, and just 
kind of taking a step back from society. I lived off grid and kind of just disconnected from everything. And, and it wasn't until I kind of came back from that and felt like I had made progress within myself that I got back into horses. That's amazing. And it's a testament to the fact that once you sit in that kind of energy and work with that kind of energy, you can't hide it anymore. Whatever's in there is going to come up. So it's it's like it, it guided you to the thing you needed at the time. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It really did. You know, there's, it was like such a, a beautiful opportunity. And yet I felt like the, the lessons that they had taught me led me to go and and find my own space and and create that herd of my own which was you know of course the most beautiful gift of all because now here I am I never would have thought you know back then I never would have thought this would have been possible and yet I'm here and have the most incredible herd of horses that I get to work with and and in in taking that step back I think that really allowed me to to come to the horses that I, I first encountered when I, when I came back from this break, it allowed me to have a really different perspective and a, a really just a, my expectations were, were very different than, than before. And what was the catalyst? Had you always intended to come back to horses? You know, I'm not sure. I, I think I always would have come back to them, but I... I don't know I had a hesitancy because I had been left feeling like I had been left feeling unfulfilled by the relationships I'd had with horses before and I didn't know if I would ever be able to have something as amazing as this this ranch that I worked at and this beautiful herd that I got to work with I it felt so out of reach for me so I I kind of I kind of didn't have any expectations to be going back into horses and um actually the reason why I got back into them in the first place this last time was uh, my partner, Patrick, who um, we're building this ranch together. Uh, he's really into, into horses. And so when we first met, you know, he was telling me how he was taking riding lessons and he was really interested in natural horsemanship. And I had uh, never met, I'd never met a man who was, had told me that he was interested in natural horsemanship before. So of course I was very intrigued. Mm. And he, he encouraged me to get back into horses and, and we did. We, um, after we'd been together for a while, we both got some horses so that we could just have fun and explore. We live close by the Redwoods. So just getting to ride on the beaches and explore the Redwoods and getting to get back into it and just having fun with it and having no pressure and just having these really beautiful horses to work with was, um, it was just what I needed. And how long was it before you transitioned into training again and teaching? Well, I had intended to just stay out of it because I I wasn't really content with the um, with classical dressage in, in the way that I saw it, the way I experienced it growing up. And I wasn't really interested in, in diving back into that culture anymore and then I was looking for a horse and I came across uh, Misa who's my Andalusian mare and she she turned everything upside down because I got her with the intention of being able to 
rehabilitate her from her um she had she's been pretty badly mistreated before I rescued her before I, I came across her and um I figured well you know I know how to work with horses and train them I can I can pretty easily turn her around and get her to be healthy again and you know we'll we'll be riding in no time and uh she totally turned everything upside down because no style of horsemanship that I had ever known before worked with her she was so different and so unique and I really had to change everything and I had to step away from everything I thought I had learned and really allow her to teach me <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> but she she was this challenge that I had never expected and gosh it's been three years with her and she's really truly has been the basis of of unbridled you know she is she's the the namesake of unbridled goddess she's my unbridled goddess because when I got her I realized that she couldn't be broken um she had experienced pretty severe uh breaking methods before and it had just it hadn't worked and she was so fiercely determined to not allow anyone to break her and realizing that the only way that I could ever work in harmony with this horse would be to allow her to come to me on her own terms. And so it was really just a journey of exploring what that looked like. I had never experienced it before. I had no I had no experience and I didn't feel I didn't feel like there was can I how can I say this? I didn't feel like any of the methods that I could explore would embody what she needed. I felt like she was calling me to just allow her to tell me what she needed. Wow. And, and what did she tell you? She told me so many things. It's really, truly hard to encompass everything she's taught me. Um, really, the she she's become the basis of, of everything that I know about horses now. Um, allowing her to have her freedom back and really realizing that when, when I come to a horse and allow them to be their own autonomous being that they truly do have the desire to meet us as creative beings and to explore what it means to connect and to dance with another species they have that drive they have this spark in them and this willingness to co-create alongside us and to me that was so revolutionary because I had always seen horses as just tools with which we did the sport with and even and, and even at the very beginning we break a horse like mm -hmm. really how, how is there more of a telling word than that how do you start her I'm going to break you at the start and once you're broken then we can partner yeah, and there's a movement now to, um, you know, people say, oh, I don't like the term breaking, but to me, it's like, say, say it how it is, you know, if, if you're 
if that's what you're doing, don't try and call it something else to soften the idea of it. Yeah. And so to me, I mean the behavior. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I think that there's, um, sorry, lost that thought completely. That's okay. We're talking about breaking horses and how they are so willing to partner with us and so willing to, to co-collaborate and take us on a journey together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just realizing that when we set them free and let them, let it go, that they, it's not, we don't have to use so much force to get them to do what we want. They are so willing to, to meet us in the middle and to, to really take us up on an invitation to dance. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about horses as a species is this amazing ability for them to want to work with us. I mean, evolutionarily, we should be exactly what they want to stay away from, (laughs) you know, and even looking back at their history and how we've treated them and even how, like with Misa, it amazes me every day when I go and work with her, how she can have experienced the horrors of training at the hands of, of, of humans and still be willing to step up to me of her own free will and put her trust in me. And it's just so inspiring to see what they can overcome and how, how willing they can be even after everything they've been through. Mm. And they let us on their back for goodness sakes. It's extraordinary. Every day it amazes me what they allow. Yeah, it really is incredible. And right now I'm actually um, working with another one of my rescue mares who is a little bit older than Misa and um, really let me know that she was willing to carry me. And I've just allowed it to unfold completely at her own pace. And realizing how, again, how willing they are to work with us. It's just, it amazes me, every horse that I work with, how, how willing they are to work with us when it comes to dropping all force and just letting, letting it be natural. They're still, it's just so unnecessary to have the, this idea of breaking a horse when if you come to them and, and offer this collaboration, it's, it's possible to start a horse at complete liberty and have them understand you with perfect clarity and never have any of the conflicts and like, you know, having to buck them out or, or ride out any of the, that sort of confusion. If you come to them and you communicate with them clearly and you, and you propose to them to work with them as, as partners, then the the possibilities really are endless yeah wow and how did you come up with the name unbridled goddess it's one of the best names i've ever seen it's amazing <laughs> thank you i appreciate it well like i said misa really i when i met her i saw her for the first time 
it was at night and I was driving down a driveway. I, I was, I had arrived so much later than I had anticipated. I drove 18 hours to go look at her to see if we, you know, if I wanted to get her. And I arrived so much later, it was nighttime. She was in this round pen and there was this big light in front of her. And it was casting this long shadow towards me of her just galloping around this round pen with just this wildness. And it was, you could see fear throughout her whole body, but you could also see this power and when I saw that, I just knew immediately. I hadn't even gotten out of the car, and I knew that I had to have her and that she had something special about her. And, uh, yeah, I just started calling her my unbridled goddess. And I, I don't know if it was uh, a little bit of foreshadowing, but the idea that she was going to be this unbridled goddess, and when I first got her and turned her out into this, you know, large multiple acre pasture and realized, oh, I cannot catch this horse for months. <laughs> I cannot get near her. I cannot get close to her. I can't bring a halter up to her. And so we just, we had to work unbridled. <laughs> and we did that for a really long time, just working without any constraints whatsoever. But yeah, she really is. She's the basis of it all. She's my unbridled goddess. Mm. And you say in your site that she's a true gift. She has a true gift for reading people and she's a natural teacher. Tell us a bit more about that, of what she does for humans. She is. You know, she uh, she has this incredible ability to just look at a person and just get get into them. She mm. has this she has this healing energy. People come to her and and they feel comfortable with just being completely raw with her um I, you know i i worried for a while that i would have to protect her you know she's been through so much and she's had such a history and i kind of wanted to shield her from the rest of the world and and people's problems and it was amazing to see her she would not approach people readily you know she was very timid but every once in a while she would see somebody who needed healing it was always somebody who was dealing with something and she would just reach out to them and just stand close by them and and she just get calm soft eyes and she'd, she'd close her eyes and you know people would leave the interaction just being feeling uplifted and and like cleansed almost and she just has this effect on people where she's she allows them to see themselves so clearly. And I think she just has this way of inviting people to be authentic. And once I realized that she had this gift as, as being a, a healer and a, and a teacher, I, I started to kind of allow her to, you know, just, I, I stopped shielding her so much, of course, um, you know, she's my, my baby. So I don't, I don't let just anybody work with her, but it, it has really been amazing to see how she, the people who do work with her, as she has a, a track record of uh, everybody who works with her cries. <laughs> it's just something when you, when you come into contact with a being that's so truly free, like she has this 
empowered energy about her where you know when you look at her you know instantly that she is there's nothing that you could do to contain her and she doesn't need to be contained she's she's fully fully owns herself and is fully authentic and somehow meeting a being that has that kind of energy allows you to to see that in within yourself and she taps into that in her in her sessions with people and and just getting to experience moving dancing playing with a a being like that it's just there's something so special about it Mm. how much have you changed since you got back into horses and met Misa I don't think that I would recognize the person (laughs) who's here today if I met her you know four years ago even um she's changed me in so many different ways she's brought a level of awareness not just of myself but of how every action within the world has a reverberation throughout the entire ecosystem wow can you give an example of that that's extraordinary i mean even just sharing her story it started out just me wanting to share this beautiful beautiful experience i was having with this beautiful horse and just realizing that every time I would share a snippet of our journey, that it would touch people around the world in ways that I never knew possible. And when I realized that, it it began to change everything in my life. You know, I, I began to see everything with this with a, a depth of of beauty and she really magnified that. When I started working with her I realized that I had these like grandiose expectations of encounters. I had these expectations in relationships that every moment had to be spectacular and that I was, I was expecting all the interactions I had to make my life better in some way. And when I began to work with Misa and each step that we took forward as small as they were, began to seem so miraculous to me. And realizing that appreciating those tiny, tiny moments and finding the beauty and just, I mean, truly the miracle of, of being alive and, and experiencing these incredible relationships with people and with animals and with nature, and with the world around us, that every single moment is powerful and every single moment has the ability to be a spiritual experience you know that was I think the biggest change in my life Mm, beautiful there's so much of the awareness in the moment there isn't there yeah every moment is precious and special and extraordinary wow yeah yeah so I see that you um, do things like liberty and trick training and working equitation as well. How did you, what was the drive for you to do a little something a little bit different other than dress out? Well, when I first got Misa, I, you know, she's an Andalusian, she's got this beautiful movement, and I was so drawn to the idea of starting her in dressage. And then, of course, you know, 
everything happened where she she changed everything and I uh, I began to see dressage as, as something that we could play with on the ground um, you know initially I was hoping that I would be able to ride her relatively soon and and of course over time began to realize that that was not the important part of our relationship and I began to truly enjoy dressage on the ground um, and and really realizing that there's there is no limitations of of the same kind of exercises academic exercises that we did uh, that we did under saddle I brought those in into liberty work on the ground and then brought a little aspect of of uh, of dance of flow into it and and saw it more as a as a hobby rather than a, a practice. And so that was how we really started to explore liberty work. Um, and I began to realize the, the possibilities of, of working on the ground at Liberty. I really felt like there was no limitations. Um, and so when I got, as I gradually began to collect more horses because who can resist collecting more horses? <laughs> Um, I just decided I wanted to explore that more. You know, I, I, at first I really thought, oh, this is a, this is a one-time thing. This is a once in a lifetime, uh, horse and I'll never have this kind of relationship or ability to work at Liberty with any other horse and realizing that she is extremely special to me. And, and I really do feel like, like she is a, a once in a lifetime horse, but realizing that it's capable, it's hundred percent possible with any horse out there to do the same kind of work um I just began to play with with all of that with my other horses and then um as I began to explore more I realized gosh wouldn't it be great if more people could understand this and wouldn't it be great if more people could see what what's possible without using force without coercive training methods and um you know there's there's this idea that when you begin to see another way and you see the ways of the world around you and they they are so disjointed they they don't align you know yeah when they look at the dressage community and the competitive horse community it's so disconnected from the way i want to to um to pursue horsemanship and there's this feeling when you experience that that you want to just leave it all behind you want to escape that as much as possible and and kind of retreat to your safe space and and live without you know pretending that that doesn't exist out there and and to me I just feel like the only way we're going to make change is to get out there and and set an example and, and be the change that we want to see in the world. And so um, I kind of began to look for some competitive arenas to, to work in. And um, I, I don't ride with bits, so dressage was out. Uh, I'm not really a jumping fan, so jumping was out. <laughs> and, yeah. and I kind of discovered working equitation, which, um, you are allowed to compete bitless and and you don't have to um, be in any one particular discipline like you can you can ride in whatever tack you want you can you can ride in whatever style you want 
um, it's more based on the harmony of your horse. And, and I really began to get drawn to the idea of this sport that uh, that would allow me to have to use different training methods and to you know be bitless and barefoot and and it didn't limit me um and so i began to explore that and i i really fell in love with it and so that's kind of something we're working towards now is is working on um beginning to exhibit my horses who are trained um force free uh who are have a, a high level of autonomy and are trained based in positive reinforcement and really just bringing that out there and, and kind of just demonstrating what's possible. And, uh, and I, I do love that it gives me the opportunity to, to, to work on my classical dressage and I can do it bitless, which, um, you know, I think that it's important to support the uh, communities that, that do allow those kinds of, of horse, that kind of horsemanship, you know, it would be great if someday uh, the USDF would allow uh, bitless in competitions. You know, that to me, there's no reason why that is disallowed. Why, if I show up to a dressage show and I have a soft cavison on instead of a snaffle, why this moment I step into the dressage arena, I'm disqualified for that. That just seems ridiculous to me. And so it does. Um, and what has to happen for that to change? I really think that people need to um, speak out about it. And also, I, I think that um, having supporting sports that do allow bitless rather than dressage, like if you love dressage, maybe get involved in working equitation because dressage is an aspect of working equitation. And if, um, if you know, it's, it's kind of like your dollar is a vote. Yeah. Um, how you support um whether it's trainers whether it's competitions whether it's um you know large federations what you support dictates you know a lot of a lot of how they they hold themselves if we are demanding as a community if we're demanding that we be allowed to use a soft capstan or a side pole in dressage even if it's you know okay you don't want third level and above you have to use a bit I you know even that would be a start I just don't understand why if you're going in to do uh you know a first level test why can't you why can't you be bitless you know you don't have to have a double bridle in first level so why not be allowed to use a you know a bitless bridle and and as you get up in the levels too why is it necessary to have a double bridle yeah you know? that's exactly what i was going to say if you can do the same moves and the same actions and have everything the same as everybody else who does have a bit how is that not some kind of discrimination who is the god of dressage that says it says there has to be a bit it's just it's not logical at all to no, me. it's not a, at all. I mean, and it's not, you can't argue that it's a safety issue. You really can't because, no. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Courses no, that it, are trained in that way are probably a thousand times safer than the others. Absolutely. And absolutely. oh my God, if they don't have shoes on, that's just devastating. <laughs> oh my God, there's no shoes on your horse where you can't compete. That It blows my mind. It really does. It, it really is. I mean, I feel like, so much of the horse world is so trapped 
in old thinking ways. I mean, we really need to bring it into the future. And I, I think that it's important for people who, the people who care about bitless and who care about bringing uh, new rules into horsemanship, a lot of times we get discouraged by the state of modern horse showing. And I know I am, I mean, I don't like going to a lot of horse shows because you go there and, and you just see example after example after example of exactly why you changed. Yeah. But it's so important for those people to take an active role in demanding change. You know, I agree. It's not going to change without people stepping up and speaking out. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that is why I got back involved in, um, in competition. I feel like the only way that we're going to change is if we go out there and start showing what's possible you know yeah and it's not about competition either I don't have a competitive bone in my body anymore but once I get my horses started my daughter asked me this morning will you go to shows I said well I I think I need to do something and that's um that we'll figure out what it is much later when we get going but for the simple fact of everything that you've just said you've got to get out there and you've got to show people there's another way and you're not going to show them from your backyard Yeah. Yeah. And there's something really beautiful about, I think that at the heart of, I I like the idea of exhibiting horses rather than competing them because the idea of taking your horse out and, and showing the world what's possible is beautiful at the heart of it. You know, if we can, if we can go in there with an open mind and just say, look what my horse and I can accomplish together in harmony. It's, you know, the idea of going into into an arena with the with the goal of winning it it allows us to kind of it changes the feel it changes the intention it changes the connection the focus goes off relationship and connection and goes towards a an outcome which is kind of the whole point of letting go of the outcome when you're working in this way exactly and i think that it can be really, it can be a powerful learning opportunity for us to put ourselves in those, in those situations where, you know, we're bringing our horses into these, you know, quote unquote competitive arenas and just allowing what will happen to happen and just allowing what you've worked on to come through and, and showing that to best the best of your ability it can be really hard because you you know you want to just go out there and show your best side but part of it is just showing your real side and, and again just being authentic and and just showing up and and being present in the moment and uh i think I it's, it's really uh it's really powerful to go out there and just to stick to your beliefs and to not allow um, those kinds of atmospheres to uh, compromise you. Yeah, I love that. It's really, really important that being authentic, no matter where you are, and keeping those values clear, because mm-hmm. they'll do you well in life, and not just with horses. In life itself, being authentic, it's um, it's not a human trait that's around a lot these days. So it's just a beautiful thing to learn. And um, 
by saying that, my question for you now is, because you have this amazing wonder that horses keep meeting us after everything they've been through, they're so willing to collaborate. Why do you think horses are here? Well, I think, I think that they've been waiting for us for a very long time to look at them and realize that they are not just a vehicle. They are not just a mode of transportation or a way to experience sport or an adrenaline rush or any of these multitudes of things that we've used them for in the past. I think that they're here waiting for us to look at them as a partner to explore the connection between two species and to just allow that to take us where it will. Mm. Yeah, people talk about um, healing in many ways and and um, how when they um, just see someone like the Dalai Lama, they burst into tears. I'm like, ah, oh, get yourself a decent horse. You'll have that every day. <laughs> every day you exactly. are standing in front of an avatar, you know, like the, the Dalai Lama has this extraordinary energy that he puts off. I'm like, join the horse world. You'll have the same thing in your backyard every day. Yeah, and that it, it really is. They're like... Um oh they're like what's the word i can never remember the uh what's the tesla coil they're like tesla coils of energy oh. that allow you to transport into this ah, it's like it's it's like they're transporting us somewhere but we really are just going deeper within ourselves yeah. i mean i really feel into like this moment yeah they just bring us to a next level of presence and mm. um you know it's it's like a it's like a meditation practice when you're with the horses as you connect with them deeper and deeper you learn to allow them to take you deeper and deeper yeah and they're taking you into yourself and this moment mm -hmm. which is where the magic is it's beautiful so tara tell us a bit more about the services that you offer Sure. Well, I, um, right now I offer uh, training sessions to work with you and your horse to help you to establish a deeper level of communication and, and to explore the possibilities of, of liberty and to explore the possibilities of even just bringing aspects of liberty into the horsemanship that you, you do currently. So, you know, it's not limited to liberty work, but um, bringing in that kind of uh, energetic communication and and uh, learning how to how to be a more effective and clear communicator yourself. Um, and then I also offer uh, I offer long distance sessions for for people who are looking to work through um, any sort of behavioral issues with their horses. I do um, behavioral modification programs. Um, and I also am going to be offering online courses. Um, right now, I'm going to have a, a course called Herd that's going to be opening next month on the 20th for enrollment that will be doing a deep dive into 
how to become a, a more connected communicator for your horse and how to um, use some, some really revolutionary techniques to, to get more in touch with yourself and, and learn how to use all of the powers that we have naturally as humans to uh, connect with others. Beautiful. So there's no um, there's no barrier to working with you, which is lovely because people can work with you online as well. So no matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to um, work with and find Tara. And your website is unbridled.s.s. What on earth is a dot s? <laughs> I've been up since 4 a.m. Doing another interview. Unbridledgoddess.com. And you're on all the socials, are you? I am. I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Unbridled Goddess. And um, yeah, once I finish building out my, my Liberty Ranch, uh, I will be offering more services and the ability for long-term students to come and, and visit and, and more clinics, but currently still under construction. Wonderful. And uh, Tara and I were talking uh, before we got recording and there's a possibility that uh, that next year or possibly the end of this year we might be able to get some clinics going in Australia so um, stay tuned for that as well that will um, be something we'll be working towards for sure yes definitely thank you and I'll have all the links in the show notes for how you can connect with Tara as well but thank you so much for your time today Tara but mostly thanks for everything that you're doing for horses and um, that amazing business name that you've got just rocks this world I tell you it's amazing um but thank you for everything that you do for horses I know how much they appreciate all of you leaders in the field and what it is you're out there doing oh well I really appreciate that and I appreciate what you're doing as well yeah it's a great community and I'm so thrilled to have you as a part of it thank you likewise to connect with Tara just make sure you pop into the show notes and click on the links that are there I'm on a mission to create a community of gentle and ethical horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts or tell your friends about the podcast. You'll find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who'd love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd also love it, really love it, if you get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine. So please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's something you'd like me to research more and really speak about at length or even just in a short way, let me know. I'd love, love, love to serve you guys more. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.